morning. Uh, The scripture reading this morning comes from Hosea, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, and chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. If you'd like to follow along, you can find it printed on page 6 of your bulletin. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, son of Beri, during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and during the reign of Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, king of Israel. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go, marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer, son of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. The Lord said to me, Go, show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, that they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethic of barley. Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I will behave the same way toward you. But the Israelites will live many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred stones, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, the Israelites will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They will come trembling to the Lord and to his blessings in the the last days. Return, Israel, to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all our sins and receive us graciously, that we may offer the fruit of our lips. Assyria cannot save us. We will not mount war horses. We will never again say our gods to what our own hands have made. For in you, the fatherless find compassion. I will heal their waywardness and love them freely, for my anger has turned away from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. He will blossom like a lily. Like a cedar of Lebanon, he will send down his roots. His young shoots will grow. His splendor will be like an olive tree, his fragrance like a cedar of Lebanon. Well, we're continuing in our series called Who is God? Where we are each week looking at some one attribute of God, one characteristic of God, his nature, his character. So let's take a look together from the prophet Hosea at this passage. But first, let's pause and let's pray. Jesus, we look to you as the one whom this passage reveals to us, brings to us. We pray that you would send your spirit to make the scales fall from our eyes so that we would see you in all your radiance. Heavenly Father, please make good on all your promises here. You tell us when we open your word that that it's like a sword that cuts to the heart. Please cut us to the heart. It's not always comfortable, but it does give life like the blade of a surgeon. Please give us life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This, this is the love of God. A God who spoke to Hosea these stunning words. Go. Marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her, 
For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. A prophet, of course, communicates on God's behalf, revealing the heart of God. Usually the prophet does so with words alone. Hosea was asked to do so through his life as well. As a living illustration of God's relationship with his people, Hosea would act out God's message symbolically. And so he was told to marry a woman who would crush his heart. He was told to consign himself to unrequited loyalty and love, to be plunged into a pit of humiliation, and then to pick himself up again and to love again. In this manner, in this vivid, painful, glorious manner, Hosea would reveal the depths of God's commitment to his wayward people, to you and me. After all, as they say, it's the people you love that can hurt you most. Not all relationships hurt equally when they're violated, do they? When a stranger on the metro hurls slurs at you, it stings for a moment, maybe a day, but then it soon passes. When a good friend rejects you, the pain lingers much longer. But what can compare to betrayal in marriage to a spouse who abandons you? And so the Lord uses a portrait of the most intimate, committed of human relationships to reveal his love for you and me. This is the love of God. Besides her name, we don't know much about Hosea's wife, but we know this. Gomer was called promiscuous. She was adulterous. She was unfaithful. These words describe the pattern of behavior prior to their marriage, who she already was. But they also describe whom she would prove herself to be throughout their marriage. Promiscuous, adulterous, unfaithful. These are words that describe Israel's spiritual condition. They were cheating on God. Are you? More than that, you know, that ancient word behind these translated English words actually more commonly refer to prostitution. Because God's people were, well, selling themselves to the idols of Canaan. 
to the false gods of the surrounding cultures, seeking payment and reward from them for worshiping them. And don't we do the same? We're so easily seduced by the payment, as it were, of empty promises of the idols of our hearts. We expose ourselves naked before them, offering up the most vulnerable and most intimate places of our souls. Worship your job or career. Sacrifice everything else at its altar, your family, your health, your sanity, and then finally you'll be significant. You'll be somebody. Worship that that one relationship, whether your bond with your child, or at least the one that treats you best, or that one dude who makes you feel beautiful. Worship that relationship, protect it at all costs, then finally you'll be lovable. We believe the lie. We reject the eternal faithful one. The one who alone can actually make us somebody. Who can make us lovable. Who can make us beautiful, glorious, chosen, cared for. Give you a place of belonging. We reject this eternal faithful one for a fling. Which is why you'll never understand the love of God until you come to terms with your inner harlot, as it were. You'll never really understand the heartbroken love of Hosea until you understand the treachery of Gomer. You see, the Bible describes salvation not as a get-out-of-jail-free card, nor even as a path of self-discovery. The Bible describes salvation as entrance into a covenant with God, like in a marriage. Which means sin, therefore, isn't merely the breaking of moral rules. Sin is breaking a relationship with God. Sin is the betrayal of divine love. Sin is spiritual promiscuity. It's spiritual adultery. Our lovers are many, are they not? Her lovers were many, and yet he chose her. And yet God chooses you. He entered into this agony of love. With eyes wide open, did he not? Not because he had to, but knowing well what slaughter of soul awaited him because he loved you. This is who we are. 
This is who God is. This is the pain of the love of God. It's an agony that would be most fully manifest in the cross. Jesus, you know, he often called himself the heavenly bridegroom. He suffered the punishment for our sins, all of our spiritual adulteries. As he hung on the cross on a hill called Calvary. Hosea here and throughout the prophecy, the book that's by his name in the Old Testament, warned the people of Israel again and again that God would judge their sin, their idolatry. That they would be violently over they would be violently overcome as a people, and that they would be sent into exile if they would not turn from their sin. Exile, this horrific period that was spoken about in chapter three, verse four here. Those coming days without king or prince of their own, because they would languish under the oppressive thumb of a foreign king. Jesus, however, suffered an even greater exile, sent out not just geographically across national borders, but rather sent from the borders of heaven to earth and even to hell itself, cast into the outer darkness of hell on the cross, suffering the wages of sin that we had earned. See, to love is to make oneself vulnerable, hurtable. And so in love, the Son of God made himself flesh in order that he might suffer and die with tortured flesh. Dear friends, you cannot know the love of God unless you know the agony of the cross. This is the pain of the love of God. And so months pass, or maybe it's been years, as Hosea again hears from the Lord in chapter 3. By now, Hosea seems to have earned every right to depart from his wayward wife, fleeing from her unfaithfulness. And we find that even as time has passed, she persists in her adultery. See, that past wasn't just a lapse in judgment. It is who she is, who we are. She's loved by another man, we're told, committed, it seems, to her unfaithfulness. Even so, the Lord said to Hosea, go show your love to her again. Go show your love to her again. Like, what? What? Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Though they turn to other gods and love the raisin cakes, those tasty offerings from pagan religious feasts, just when you think he might run. Shockingly, Hosea doubles down. 
renews his vows with her. He chooses her in love again. And this is how God persists with you and me. You might leave me, but I will never leave you. You might forsake me, but I will never forsake you. You might break covenant with me, yet in Jesus' name, I will hold fast to my covenant vows to you. And after all that you do in rebellion against God, all you do in rejection of him, all you do to run from his grace, here's the great miracle of the gospel. God refuses to quit on you. God loves again. This is the persistence of the love of God. For 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethic of barley, chapter 3, verse 2 tells us, Hosea bought her back. The wording there rattles us. It piques our interest. Bought? What could that mean? It could be a reference to a bride price, goods that in the ancient world were given to a woman's family in exchange for a dowry when she was married. It symbolized her great value to her family and to her husband. See, though, though Gomer had behaved, let's say, cheaply, and, and though she had treated her marriage as worthless, Hosea as worthless, Hosea reaffirms her worth in his eyes. She is precious to him. No matter what, no matter what, you are precious to God. Or could it be that we encounter Hosea here buying his wife because that's perhaps how much it cost to buy a slave? Could it be that this is how low she's since sunk? How desperate her condition? Could it be that he finally finds his wife in the marketplace? Standing there before a small crowd of people stripped naked. After all, customers want to see what they're paying for. Well, Hosea sees. Hosea knows. And he pays to have her back. Already he's paid Yes, he's paid dearly. He's paid down the cost of this covenant again and again and again with, with, with tears, with dark nights of 
despondency. This time, he pays with silver and barley. And he doesn't flinch, does he? No price, no price would have been too great. He wants his wife back. Because the love of God persists. Because the love of God pays. No matter the cost. Even the cost of his very own son. He pays to set you free. He paid on Calvary. I mean, do you see this picture maybe in a quiet place in your heart? That was you up there naked, don't you see? That's me. You were bought at a price, the price of the precious blood of Christ who sets you free. Dear friends, this is the price of the love of God. Don't miss it. Hosea tells her the truth, doesn't he? He confronts her. Love doesn't lie. You must not be a prostitute, chapter 3, or be intimate with any man no more. No more. And even as Hosea begins to expound upon this scenario, this revelation of the heart of God, his covenant commitment to his wayward people, again in chapter 14, he continues to tell the truth because that's what love does when he says in verse 1 return come back come back return Israel to the Lord your God your sins have been your downfall and when he invites his people to say to him forgive all our sins and receive us graciously And when he calls us to turn from all our idols, the spiritual adulteries of our heart, until we say, we will never again say, our gods, to what our own hands have made. God tells us the truth. Will you dare to hear the truth today? Will you dare to receive not just these words, but this picture in your heart? God tells us the truth about us, but he also tells us the truth about him. He tells us the truth about his promises, his grace, his kindness. Verse 4, I will heal their waywardness. And love them freely. For my anger has turned away from them. He has an account, a detailed account, does he not? For every evidence of your wayward heart. 
every reason, every excuse to abandon ship, to cut bait, to run. And yet he says, I will love them not begrudgingly. I will love them not just necessarily, but I will love them freely. It would be my delight to love you. It would be my joy, my boast to love you. Do you know this God? Do you know this God? As Christian counselor and author Paul Tripp puts it so helpfully, God never mocks you when you fail. He never looks on you with disgust, but greets you with love, forgiveness, and the gift of new beginnings. Are you ready for a new start? Are you ready for a new beginning with the renewing grace of God? Because it is new beginnings that he promises, isn't it? This lush, picture that he grants in these final verses of God being like the dew to Israel. Verse 5, he will blossom like a lily, like a cedar of Lebanon. He, God's people, will send down his roots. His young shoots will grow. His splendor will be like an olive tree. His fragrance like a cedar of Lebanon. Just description after poetic description of of a, of a garden abloom with fresh vegetation and life because that's what God does. He takes the barrenness, the, the death of our soul, and he gives us new life. He forgives our sins. He washes us clean. And he starts afresh renewing his vows to us by his grace again and again and again until that day when he comes and returns for his bride. This grand description of the people of God, deeply flawed and full of sin, can we not yet confess? Yes. His bride whom he has set his love upon, whom he has promised to love eternally. Though we continue to stray and stray until that day when he makes his covenant forever unbreakable, always unbreakable on his end of the deal, but one day fully on ours too. When in the renewed things, in this new covenant, in the new heavens and the new earth, when Jesus returns and he removes from our very hearts itself all that spiritual adultery, that spiritual promiscuity, when he conquers the unfaithfulness of our hearts, when we will return his love with a like love, unbreakable and unchanging. When his I do will match our I do, 
and we forever will. When God will continue to forever love his wayward people. And when we too will love him back. If we return to him even now. And receive his redeeming love. This love, it clear, it's clear to say, his love that is better than we deserve. If we would return to the Lord, our God, and say to him, forgive us all our sins and receive us graciously. If we would turn back and return to our heavenly bridegroom. This is the pain of the love of God. This is the persistence of the love of God. This is the price of the love of God and the promise of the love of God. Dear friends, this is the love of God. This is the love of God for you. Let's pray. Now help us to receive it. Help us to dare to believe that these things could be true of you and of us and of your covenant love. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and let's sing.